Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now today is the last sermon of our series called Stones. And if you don't know what it is about, or if you, maybe you've missed a lot of our sermon series, don't worry. I'll give you a quick recap of the last three weeks. This is week four. Um, and next week we'll start something new, or I don't know, God will um, direct us and show us and see what's going to happen in, a, in the weeks to come. But I always trust God and say, Lord, what is your heart for us as a church? Where do we need to go? How do you want to maneuver and steer the ship? Because this is your church, this is not our church. We just have the privilege of running and leading. And, uh, and it's so amazing. So the, we started out by looking at the value of foundations in our lives. Now, we all know how important foundations is. And our core scripture for the series was the following. It was out of Luke 6, verse 46 to 49. It's just a piece of it. It says, I will show you what it is like when someone comes to me, listen to my teaching, and then follow it. Now, just pause there. Jesus said this right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. He preached this phenomenal sermon, and he ended it with this. He says, if you listen to my teaching, um, sorry, I will show you what it's like for someone who comes to me, listens to my teaching that you've just heard, and then follows it. It is like a person building a house who digs deep, laid a foundation on solid rock, and when the floodwaters rise and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. I love that scripture. You see, God never promised to give us a storm-free life, but He called us to make sure we have a storm-proof life. We are called to have a storm-proof life. We need to make sure how our foundation is strongly laid in our lives as, as, as Christians. Now, we all know when a builder builds a house, he spent time to lay that foundation of that house. Why? Because the foundation will determine the strength of the structure. I mean, every builder will tell you that. They take their time. It's worth spending that time of laying that foundation, making sure that it's deep enough, it is wide enough, it can hold the structure that we want to build. You see, all of us have a calling in our lives, and God wants to build phenomenal callings on your life, but we need to make sure that we can build from a strong foundation in our lives. And if you skimp through your foundations in life, when that structure comes and the loading and, the, and, and the God wants more capacity from you as a leader or as a business owner, you need to have a strong foundation because if that building becomes heavy, you need foundations to keep your structure strong. See, it's not just the foundation that is important, but where we lay the foundation. On what ground are you building and growing that foundation or digging that foundation? Is it on the sandy patch on the rock, where it takes time, it's hard work to dig out that foundation, but to make sure it's laid on a strong surface. Now in week one, we looked at the necessity of building foundations on Jesus. Jesus needs to be our foundation, a place where we start. I'm going to build here on the rock, Jesus. The scripture says in 1 Corinthians, it says, for no one can lay any foundation other than we already have, Jesus Christ. See, we start our foundations off on the ground of Jesus, what he's done. And on that, we say, here I'm going to build my foundation because on this structure, I'm going to run my calling, who I am. I'm going to be a husband to my wife. I'm going to be a good father or mother to my children. I'm going to catch my drift. Then week two, 
we spoke about the, f- the first and certainly the most important foundation stone that we need to lay, and that's the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. You see, after we stepped into salvation and get baptized um, as a declaration of our new lives, that's why baptism is important, because it's a public declaration of, say, hey, I just not turned over a, a, a new, almost said a new leaf, a new uh, um, page. I just got a new book. You know, God, I'm publicly declaring that God has changed my life. But after that, we need to be filled and baptized with the Spirit. We need to. You see, it is impossible to live the Christian life apart from the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Many Christians still believe that this gift of the Holy Spirit is just for a selected few. But therefore, making it one of the most debatable issues in the church today. But it is a necessity for us as believers to be empowered. I, I, I mean, I can't see my life without the Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you want to know more about that, go and listen to week two of our sermons, all free on our website. Because I go into a whole explanation of why Holy Spirit, why we need to be filled, how, all the questions that everybody has, and to prove that the Scripture says actually exactly what we want to hear, what we need to hear. And then week three, I spoke about the power of the Word as a foundation stone in our lives, the power of the Word. You see, the foundation stone will, this foundation stone of the Word will strengthen and protect our relationship with God. And it will also protect the foundations in our lives. It's one of those stones that you can't go without it. I need to be protected. I need the power and the filling of the Holy Spirit. But I need the Word in my life because the Word will keep on protecting me and, and protecting that relation, uh, the foundations that I have in, in life. See, the Word in our lives is a life essential. We cannot miss that. We can't miss the Word in our lives. We need the Word in our lives. You need to wash yourself with the Word every day. You need, to, you need Scripture. You need confessions in your life to get more life into your life. And it keeps us prepared for life. It keeps us fruitful to, be a, to have a successful life. And it gives God godly wisdom into every situation. You remember that four points? keeps us prepared, it keeps us fruitful, it gives us wisdom, but it also helps us hear God's voice. You see, apart from all that, the Word gives life. It just gives life in every situation in our lives. Now, God talked to us through many ways in our lives, but primarily through the Word of God. He talks to us through the Word. I always said God speaks to us verbally through others around us, primarily through His Word. And that's why we need to read the Word. I can't hear God's voice. Read the Word more. Get that Word into your life. And as you read the Word, God starts speaking to you. Now, as God speaks to us through the Word, we speak to Him through prayer. And that's what I want to finish today with, speaking about the foundation stone. Prayer is the foundation stone. Now, C.S. Lewis, I don't know if you know C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is a very famous writer, he wrote, um, a very famous theologian in the early 90, 1900s, a very famous Christian writer. He actually wrote um, scripts uh, that movies were made, Narnia, all those kind of things. Um, but he, he had this quote that really caught my eye, and it said the following, The moment we wake up each morning, all our wishes and hopes for the day rush in like wild animals or issues or challenges. And the first job every morning consists in shoving it, it all back by listening to that other voice, 
taking that other point of view, letting that other larger, stronger, quieter life come flowing in. You see, he was a very, very clever writer, writing about God without saying it. God, people catching, it's like, wow, that is so amazing. You see, if we look at our daily lives and routines, most of us, not just here, but all over, will confess that many things distract us and steal our attention away from God before we can even think about our devotional or our time with God every morning. <laughs> Come on. How many of you woke up with a text and it's like, oh goodness, I forgot about this. And as soon as you catch yourself, like, it's like 10 o'clock in the morning, you're rushing through work and stuff and r- running here and racing there and you've never got to a place of prayer and devotion, depending where your life is at at the moment. Now, 90% of Christians, I don't know if that figure has changed in the last 10 years, but 90% of Christians will confess the following. They struggle with the daily prayer habit. They're just open with it. I struggle with the daily prayer habit. That's a habit to go and pray every day. Now, why is that? And it's a great question to ask. It's a good question to ask. Why do we struggle to pray? Now, if you will speak to many Christians today, you will find that prayer is not ju- it's just not a priority anymore. No, just want to be honest. It's actually quite shocking if you think about it. And if you look in your own life and you zoom in in your own life and you realize, how much am I really praying? Sometimes it's, it's quite, <laughs> you feel condemned. And I know the word says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But I feel sometimes condemned that I pray don't, don't pray enough. And I know if I ask how many of you feel the same, there will definitely be a couple of hands up here this morning. You see, we are not prioritizing prayer as we should or, or anymore, to be honest. Now, the church has so many activities today, all over. If you're, I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm not talking about our church, but we have so many activities. People only look for the more exciting things to do. I, I, have you gone to the prayer meeting? I remember when I was a student, we had these prayer meetings, and, and people say, hey, you're coming to the prayer meeting today? No, I was a Bible study, and then I went to fellowship group, and then I went to the outreach training, and I, I'm, I'm, I won't make the prayer today. But if I had to choose that week, I remember as a student, I mean, the prayer time would be the last one I would go to. <laughs> because I never understood it. I never really caught the, 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 just the deepness and the, the blessing of that, that prayer moment. Later on, I did. And I was so, I'm so sad I didn't go to that first. Now, I believe that many people neglect prayer individually and corporately for two reasons. We neglect it. Come on, let's just be honest. Not all of us. I'm, not, I'm talking in general. But there's two big reasons why we neglect prayer. Because, number one, because we don't understand the true power and the, and the purpose of prayer. We don't. And number two is the devil just hates it when we pray. <laughs> Let's just be honest. He hates it when we pray. He's going to do everything in his power to keep you from praying. Because he knows that every little prayer, it doesn't have to be a powerful prayer, it doesn't have to be a, a, a faith, I mean, just praying unto God releases something incredible in our lives. And the enemy hates it. So number one is we don't understand the power and purpose of prayer, really. And the devil hates it. So you see the most time outwardly, if we talk outwardly, what we say and what we do, we will agree that prayer is amazing. No, it's important, yeah, yeah. But deep inside of us, we will all wonder. We, we wonder, does God really hear, it, hear me when I pray? 
How many ever thought that? I, I wonder if God really hears me when I pray. Or, or, or why does it always feel that my prayers hit the ceiling when I pray? I'm just praying, but yeah, nothing really happens. And, or maybe you've, you've gone to this, like, how can anyone in this life pray for more than five minutes? What do you say? Come on. Let's be honest. I've been there. How can somebody say, like, no, I've just prayed an hour and a half, and then uh, I drove to work for half an hour, and I prayed more. I was like, two hours. What did you say? <laughs> Let's just, yeah, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but see, there's questions we ask. Why do you actually, how can you pray that long? But before we can, can actually answer all these questions, and I know when we talk about prayer, we've got a lot of questions that we can ask about prayer. But first, we need to look at the purpose of prayer. What is the true purpose of prayer in our lives? See, God is a God of purpose. He is. He created everything in this world and in this life for a specific purpose. It is. See, prayer is not just a test God has for us to see. Ooh, I just want to see if you love me. So I need you to pray an hour a day. Suffer through it, Bob. There we go. No, no. He's got a specific purpose for prayer. Look, look at this. Proverbs 16.4 says, The Lord works everything together to accomplish what? His purpose. Everything. Every, that everything means everything. Look at Colossians 1.16 says, For in Him all things were created. That means everything created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, spiritual or physical, whatever, whether throne or power, rulers or authorities, all things have been created in Him and for Him. There is a specific purpose of everything in this world. Everything. And that includes prayer. Now we need to remember, and you remember a couple of weeks ago we spoke about this, but we are the centerpiece of creation. We. All of us. God created man as his centerpiece, as that centerpiece of creation. And see, we need to remind ourselves daily that everything God has created was for, the benef was for our benefit and our blessing, believe it or not. So if you have a centerpiece of, of your, in your house, you want to build the lighting, everything around that centerpiece. You want people to see that thing. And that's exactly what God did. He created us as the centerpiece of creation. And everything in creation, he, he created to bless us and to benefit us. Now, God is a God of purpose. And everything he created in this world, including us, has been created to fulfill his purpose. We are created to fulfill God's purpose. You are created to fulfill God's purpose. And you need to get that this morning. Because from that foundation, you will understand prayer this morning. God created you with a purpose, but not just a purpose, to fulfill His purpose in this world. Depending what you do or what, what you're good at, it is part of God's purpose for this world. Now, prayer was and still is today 100% part of God's purpose for, for earth, for us, for humankind. Pray. I want to quickly look at three things this morning. Three quick things, and I want to look at the nature of prayer, then I want to look at the value of prayer, and I want to look at the power of prayer. Now, each and every one of those points, I can do probably two sermons each. <laughs> there is so much about prayer that you can share. But I want to, just want to run over the basics of them. This is the whole sermon series. As you remember, I said, it's all basics. 
But if you don't get the basics right, you'll never go to the advance. Am I right? You'll never go to the advance. So, so we want to speak about the basics, to understand the basics, to know that, check, I've got it. But I just, not just got it, I buried it in my heart. I laid that foundation stone. So I want to speak about the nature of prayer, the value of prayer, and the power of prayer. Now the nature of prayer, believe it or not, some people believe that prayer was created because of Adam and Eve's sin. And their sin separated us from God, and that's the only way that we can reconnect with God. So God had to bring prayer into the picture because of Adam and Eve messed up, and they messed up because they messed up. I need to give you something just to connect with me. Now part of it is true. Prayer is to connect with God. But it is not the heart of prayer. You see, prayer started with the creation of mankind. It was not established after the fall of man, but it was established before at creation. I'm going to explain it to you now. See, prayer existed from the beginning of God's relationship with man. From the beginning. And the true nature of prayer can only be understood in the context of God's purpose for humanity. Do you know what that is? The context of, 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 um, of God's purpose for humanity is two things. Relationship and rulership. God created us to have a relationship with Him. But He also created us to rule and reign. Go forth and multiply. Rule the earth. Relationship and rulership was God's purpose for humanity. But see, prayer can then be defined as two things. Number one is the expression of relationship with God. And number two is the expression of our participation in God's purpose. So number one is relationship. Number two is participation. God doesn't want to do it alone. If he wanted to do it alone, he would have told all of you, you will believe in me, you can sit there in a corner, I'll do everything. But God created and said, I want you to go and rule over this earth. And then I'll give you choice even. I'll give you choice to believe in me and know who you are. It's amazing if you think a powerful heavenly being like that created us and still gave us choice to love him. I mean, that's incredible. So two things define expression of our relationship with God and prayer is the expression of our participation of God's purpose. But let me give you a short definition. It's talking to God. <laughs> Just talking to Him. There's an expression out of our lives because of relationship, because of we participate in that purpose of Him. Now let me ask the question. Who prayed the first prayer on earth? It's a good question. I asked the question, I was like, huh? I need to go and check this out. See, who prayed the first prayer ever? I would say Adam. Since Adam was the first created and received God's instruction for tending the earth and acting in authority, I think Adam was the, the one. But the next question would be, but since Adam was in God's presence, why did he need to pray? He was in God's presence. He walked, the scripture says, um, Adam walked with God in the garden every day. Because then when they messed up, God looked for him as he was walking in the garden. He was looking for his friend to walk with him. So Adam was with God. He was in his presence. He was there. Why did Adam need to pray? You see, there, this is where we need to change our thinking of what prayer is. Right here. See, prayer is to commune with God. Adam communed with God daily. 
in the garden. Do you know what commune means? It actually are defined as sharing life together. <laughs> I mean, when I read this, I realized that, oh my goodness, I'm looking at prayer so religiously. So religiously. Oh, Father, here I am today again. And, and it's not wrong, but nowadays I can drive my car and say, hey, Jesus, Daddy, man, I just need you today. I'm, I'm going here. I'm on my way here. I'm thinking about this. Um, I just need, Father, I need your wisdom today. I know in your word says that if I ask wisdom, you'll give me wisdom. And I need this today. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to do it. I'm not prepared for this. You see, it, share, it sounds like I'm sharing life. You, I don't go to my wife and say, oh, heavenly wife. Today I will come to you in the morning of... No, man. There is communion with my wife. There is a conversation. There's some days I get mad at my wife and see more, than, more, more mad at me than I'm her. But, but there is a natural outflow of relationship with God. Adam was the one that prayed, prayed first because he had communion with the Father every day. There was something deeper that we need to get today. That prayer is not a religious thing we shout up. It's, it's a communion with God. You see, that's, <coughs> that's exactly what Adam did. He lived and shared life with the Father. He just shared life with the Father. Now today I'm not walking in, in, in the garden. We're not walking in the garden like, uh, with God like Adam. But prayer helps us to enter His presence. And it brings us to a place, into a place of fellowship with the Father. Isn't that amazing? See, when you throw that thing off of you, oh, now I need to go and pray for an hour. How am I going to do that? Oh, my goodness. Okay, I read my Bible for 15 minutes. Now I need to pray. Lord, my, my neighbor says he's praying for an hour. I'm going to try it today. Okay. Can I, can I have a conversation with my wife or my friend for an hour over coffee? Absolutely. Why not with God? See, why not with God? Because we make it a religious outflow of this is how we need to do. But if we realize that prayer comes from communion with God, it changes your perspective. See, it is a place where we can talk to God, the creator of the heavens and earth. Now, I just want to just pause here. Do you realize that the God who created heaven and earth we don't even know how much stars there is in the sky. It is so far-reaching that no brain... If you want to think where God comes from, your brain literally goes into error. <laughs> literally. It's like, I, 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 can't I can't compute that. But that God, the creator of the heavens and universe, you can speak to Him. You can actually commune with Him on a daily basis. You can speak to Him and call with Him. I mean, I spoke to... Uncle Viv, how are you just speaking to God lately? And how God's speaking to him and how special it is. And meaning that that God, the creator of the heaven and universe, can speak to us. Not just speak to us, commune with us. Cry with you sometimes. Celebrate with you. Know the deepest thoughts of your hearts, the deepest challenges, the deepest temptations. He knows everything in your life. Do you realize why the enemy wants us not to pray? To connect to God. Number two, I want to speak about the value of prayer. 
the value of prayer. Now, the true value of prayer is only realized in a lifestyle of prayer. Now, there's a big difference. I can have a value for prayer, or I can have a lifestyle of prayer. That's a big difference. Mark, Mark 1, verse 35, says the following. Oh, there, oh, sorry, there was the two definitions. Oh, let's go back. Mark 1, 35 says, Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Now, if you go to the Amplified and all the scriptures, it says, early when it was still dark, when the disciples were still snoring away, Jesus was up and he went praying alone. He went praying. See, the disciples lived with Jesus for three and a half years. They went everywhere he went. They saw everything he did. For three and a half years. And there was a few moments like these <clears throat> where the word shows how Jesus prayed for hours every morning. Or at times. At night sometimes. See, Jesus would get up early when his disciples were still sleeping, slipped off by himself to pray. And then when they woke up, they looked for Jesus. And went, what did they do? When they found him, they always found Jesus praying. That's what they saw. For hours, Jesus just prayed. Now, don't let that bring condemnation over you. We want to be like Jesus. We want to grow towards that. But as an illustration, look what Jesus did. Now, when Jesus woke up and look, or when they woke up, now Jesus would spend hours in prayer with the Father. Then, listen, he would travel somewhere to spend a few minutes healing someone, healing a blind man, casting out a demon. So, note the ratio here. Hours of praying, minutes of ministry. Hours of praying, minutes of ministering. See, the disciples probably realized that, that the praying Jesus, that the praying Jesus did in the morning was much more impactful than everything he does during the day. Because they saw the fruit in his life. They saw something. They saw something that the prayer did to Jesus more than every miracle he did. It's actually quite, quite a thing. Now, because of that, the disciples asked this of Jesus. Luke 11 verse 1 says, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying again, as he finished, one of the disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Now, if you look at, at the Gospels, and you look at all the Gospels, and you go through all the Gospels, <laughs> there's only one thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them. Now, I, I, he, they came to him and said, explain to us that parable. But there's only one thing that the Gospels actually shows that they say, teach us this. And it was prayer. Why? See, why would the disciples ask Jesus to teach them to pray instead of walking on water? Jesus, oh, teach us how to walk on water as you just did there. Or uh, Jesus, teach us how to feed 5,000 people from, from this little bit of food. Or Jesus, maybe can you teach us how to calm the storms? <laughs> or Jesus, teach us how you just cast out demons like that. That must be amazing. No, no, they skip past all those things and say, Jesus, Will you teach us to pray? Why? Because 
they saw Jesus pray, pray more than anything else. They saw him pray. And they realized that if Jesus does all these miracles, if he adds so much value to prayer, man, I, I, need, to, I need to get more. Jesus, teach me. Why are you praying that? Teach me how to pray then. Because then I don't know how to pray. See, it was a lifestyle that produced much more fruit than all the miracles together. And they wanted that. They wanted more of that. You see, if I'm with Jesus for three years and I see the fruit of his prayer life as much more than all the miracles, I'm not going to go to Jesus. No, no. Teach me more of that. Teach me more of that because somewhere Jesus stepped out of a religious way they taught in the synagogues and the Jewish culture and the law where this is how you pray and this guy is singing that. No, no. Jesus did way something. He communed with God. And they realized that, Jesus, we want to have communion with God like that. Can you teach us that? That's probably why Jesus said this, and it always stressed me. He said, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles. We calmed the seas. We cast out. We healed this. And Jesus would say, I'll never, I never knew you. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that convicts me. That I realized that to know God, that knew there, means to have an intimate connection. There's a place of intimacy. Jesus said, I have more value in that intimate moments with my father in the mornings when everybody is sleeping or when everybody is doing nothing. That moment is more intimate to me than any miracle that I'll ever see in this earth. You see, if you get this, it will change your perspective on prayer immediately. It will take you from a, from a religious way of, oh, oh, far, to, Jesus, I'm here. Good morning, Holy Spirit. It's so good to be alive. I feel bad this morning. I have a distance, but you are so, I mean, there, there's a moment where we need to found, find Him in a place of intimacy and commune with Him. It's the value of prayer reached the true heart of the Father. To commune with us, his sons and his daughters, he want to commune with us. And then the last one is the power of prayer. The power of prayer. See, one of the things we, we almost all of us are getting used to at this moment, I don't know about you, I'm, I'm still struggling, is load shedding. <laughs> How many of you enjoy load shedding? Please don't put up your hand. <laughs> we don't like load shedding. Maybe there's different reasons why you like it. I would, I'd love to know. But how many of us has been caught off guard with load shedding? How many of us? Come on. I mean, goodness. All the wives will go, yeah, I need to make food. And it's like 10 to 5 and 5 o'clock load shedding. No food, no stove, no nothing. Bread, butter, no coffee. No, no. <laughs> and my wife has been telling me, just get a gas stove. Just get something. I'm just keep forgetting about it. Yeah. Our next home, we'll have a, a decent gas stove. But see, you were just about to make that cup of tea and you were about to put your feet up and the power goes off. Or maybe you, you're in, in this, I don't know about you, I grew up in the a, in a, in a northwest and in, in the West Transvaal. And there we have lack of thunderstorms, nice big thunderstorms. And you will be at home and then there's this, and in the early times we didn't, didn't have load shedding, we had lightning. Yeah. So the lightning would strike and then, no power for an hour. 
No, this is the power hour, no power for that whole hour. <laughs> and, and we would sit there in the dark and we were just about to watch our favorite TV show or something. It's like, ah. Oh. But then uh, mostly what we do is, as men, I don't know about you, we take the flashlight and we go and walk through the house and just check if everything, all the windows is closed. Yes, 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 everything. And one day I was walking through the house and I was checking and I was, I was checking and I thought, Oh, wow, I was seeing all the stuff that we've been privileged to accumulate. I like a nice TV. Oh, wow, a nice TV. Internet, hmm, that's awesome. We have a kettle, we've got this and this. All this awesome stuff that, that you have. And immediately I realized that, that all of these at that moment were completely useless. Completely. Our television, our stove, our, our kettle, our internet, goodness. No, no signal for my cell phone. I can do nothing. All the things that is a blessing to us, that God has given us, that is amazing, is now useless. Useless. You see, all these amazing things that, that's such a blessing to us uh, have all the power, they've got all the potential, they've got all the benefits to be a blessing to us. But at that moment, they were completely useless. Completely. You see, those things exist, but they cannot contribute they can't at that moment. They exist. This my TV is here, yay, but it can't contribute to my life at the moment. Nothing. Why? Because they were cut off from the source and the power supply. Cut off. Now I know some of you have a generator somewhere, so don't go there. You'll spoil my illustration. But see, those things can't help me at the moment because there's no power. There was no power supply. Everything was cut off. And, then, and, and it's the same with us as humans. It's the same with us. Every one of us um, are full of potential. We are full of talents. We are full of gifts. We are full of abilities. We've got uncapped potential. We are creative, etc., etc. But unless man is connected to God, his true ability lies dormant inside of him. Dormant. Passive. See, we can only fulfill our true potential and maximum capacity if we remain connected to the Creator. We need to be connected to Him. I love this scripture and I want to end with this today. James 5 verse 16. I love this. And if you go to all the translations, it will bless you. But I want to read it out of the Amplified. It says, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. <laughs> Whoa. That is a mouthful. See, when a righteous man, a man that knows he's in right standing with God, a man who knows what to step into that authority that God has given him, that man prays and he sees power. That man. See, when such a person starts praying, he connects to a power source that can never be cut. Never. You see, prayer and communion with God gives us the power we need to, to fulfill our purpose in Him. In Him. That's what prayer and communion does with God. It creates something for, and a power in us that, that sees the impossible possible. So when we pray from, from that place, a place of true relationship and communion with God, the <laughs> incredible power starts to flow through your life. And I can tell you so much testimonies of prayer 
of how God just does amazing things. Elijah prayed, the word says, Elijah prayed and it stopped raining for almost three years. God didn't even tell him to pray. He just prayed because he saw unrighteousness. And because he saw unrighteousness, he says, it will not rain for two and a half years. So he just said it would not rain. And after two and a half years, God says, do this and this. Now pray that the rain will come again. He prayed and the rain started. I mean, that's quite a serious prayer right there. I remember I had a friend of mine who was driving to Joburg, and uh, he was at the mall there, and he rushed out to the mall back to Potts, and he had his wallet and his cell phone and everything, and he placed his wallet on the roof, and as he was running halfway on to, to Potts, he realized, oh, my wallet was on the roof. And I was like, oh, no, he stopped immediately, and he was on the side of the road, and he looked all over under the seat, oh, no wallet. In the, I mean, everywhere. He turned that car upside down. He climbed into that car. And he was, he's like our spiritual father. And I mean, he's like, faith is one of those things. He challenged us in faith so much. And he got into the car. And he got in. He drove off. And he had this discouragement just coming over him. And he just stopped. And he said, no, thank you. He said, God has given me the ability to speak life and death. So, Lord, I'm going to call my wallet back. So, and then he started calling. He said, I'm um, calling your angels to go and get my wallet and bring it back. In Jesus' name. And then just started thanking God for, thank you, Lord, for my wallet. Thank you, it's not gone. I will not be depressed. I will not be this. And he left it. And he got home and he, he walked into this house and he said to his wife, oh, you wouldn't know what happened today. And he realized, huh. Walked back to his car and he opened the door and there he left his wallet. was in the, in the door. And the angel literally brought back his wallet. He shared that testimony. A couple sat in church. They just flew in from, from England. They uh, stay there full time. They work there, South Africans. But they live in England. They've got the red passports, um, the British passports. And they've waited for that thing for so long. They came in. And in the trolley, they had their laptop bag with all their plane tickets and their wallets. And they pushed it. And they were late. There's four kids in this. And they grabbed their bags. And they're off. And the stuff stayed in the little cart, all their passports, all their, all their, I mean, everything. There's like a little pack like this with everything and even money. In. And they got home and they realized, oh, they forgot that thing. They called immediately. They called Emirates and this and this. Oh, sorry, sir, if you forgot that thing on an airport that busy on a Sunday night, there's no way. And they said, well, okay. So they called the embassy on a Monday and they, and they, um, they organized new passports, got the plane tickets re-printed re, uh, out and all these things sorted. And then that Sunday, that was the Sunday, the next Sunday they sat in church. And our pastor that time shared this testimony. And the husband said, oh my goodness, I wish I knew this. And he, in that moment he took his wife's hand and he said, let's just agree. Lord, we call back that tickets and the passports and everything that was stolen, we call it back. Send an angel to go and get it. And they amen and they went home. That Monday morning, Emirates called him, said, Sir, do you have a black or like a black bluish bag with passports in and this is is this yours? He says, Yes, are you so and so? So I've got your passport in my hand with your bag. He said, Sir, I've never seen this, but some guy from Emirates, I've been working for Emirates for twenty years, and a guy from Emirates came that I've never seen ever with the Emirates shirt on game came and said, I found this in the airport, and I gave it in at the office, and I it was never opened, the money is all there, everything is all there, 
God sent an angel to bring You see, if we come and say the earnest, heartfelt, continuous prayer of a righteous man that knows his right standing with God, that knows his authority of every word he speaks, why not can power not be released? See, when we doubt, when we pray, and that's why we don't see. (laughs) See, we need to realize that all prayer is powerful. All prayer is powerful. And it flows from... if. Prayer is powerful if it's flowing from a true heart, a heart that is true towards God. It doesn't have to be a loud voice screaming and saying, Oh, thou, the Father, uh, the more gracious you speak, the more powerful the prayer is. Not true. Remember I told you the story of Mike Bickle? He's running the 24-7 House of Prayer in America. And um, they've been running. And he, when he planted his church years back, they had the Saturday evening prayer prayer time in the church now i don't know who do a prayer meeting on saturday evenings that's quite a tough one but he had this prayer meeting and every time it was just this three four five people who came and they've got this boring prayer time now i mean this is mike bickle if you think about mike bickle he's the i mean he's a guru on prayer he runs a 24-hour prayer now for the last 14 years 24-hour prayer non-stop prayer and worship and he comes in, and, and then that one morning he came and stopped his car, and he said, oh, the same, the car, the sound guy's car is already here. And, um, and he said, I'm just trusting you, Lord, for a powerful prayer time today. Lord, may your fire come, may something come, but I want this boring passive prayer time to change into something better. And he walked into the, the, the auditorium, if they've got this beautiful church auditorium and it's big, foyer and as he walked into the foyer he had this loud choir music coming from inside of the auditorium and he was immediately taken aback he said how can the sound man mess with the sound like that and he stormed into the auditorium and it was dead quiet and he thought well where's the music now and he looked and the sound guy was sitting in the front on his knees praying and he thought what was that and Later on, he, he walked out of the auditorium into his office, and again he heard that loud music, and he was like, how can the sound man, and he walked in, quiet, and a guy on his knees just praying. And he walked out, and God spoke to him and said, Mike, never underestimate what happens in the spirit when someone prays. So he realized later on, thinking about praying, that it was angels singing. With a guy sitting on his knees, Whispering to God in prayer. What happens in the spirit? And he says that evening, the prayer was amazing with the six people always come. It was as boring as ever, but he realized that no matter what prayer we pray or how we pray, something in heaven shifts and happens when we pray. I want to end today as to say let's stay connected to that power supply. Let's, let's stay connected to the power supply that God says, I am your power supply. When you pray, you don't have to shout, scream, run around. Maybe you want to. That's also okay. But don't, you don't have to feel that I need to do things to be more spiritual. But when I sit quietly before the Lord and I pray, something in heaven is like a mighty choir to God. There's scriptures that says every prayer comes to the throne and to the feet of the throne of God. Every prayer. Every prayer. 
No matter what I pray or how I pray, out of a bad attitude or not a bad attitude, every prayer that I pray comes to the throne of God. And I want to in, in, encourage you this morning to, to, to change your thinking from a religious way of praying to a place where I can commune with the Father. I can connect with Him in a deeper way, just speaking to Him, communicating to Him, connecting in a deeper way. But to take that condemnation off your shoulders and saying, I don't pray. I feel so condemned about it. But if you change the way you think about prayer, it will change your life. It will change your life. It will change your relationship with the Father. Because God is after our hearts more than anything else. Can you stand? I want to pray with you. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.